Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. I'm Dave Gasper, joined as always by Matt Carroll. You know us as the editors at ReviewingBrew.com. And Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. We are coming up here uh, on Christmas and things are still busy in the baseball offseason. The Milwaukee Brewers have been making some moves. Uh, The big part of the market has kind of been waiting on a bunch of guys, been waiting on Shohei Otani. It's been waiting on... Now, Yoshinobu Yamamoto to sign, and then after that, the trade market for everyone else in the free agent market should start to pick up once those guys are off. Let's see. Uh, so there's a lot going on in terms of the Brewers. They they have made a couple of moves this week, and Matt, uh, it, it's been an interesting offseason to this point. Uh, there have been some positives. Uh, namely the Jackson Cheerio contract extension. Uh, but there's, there's been a bunch of moves, but I'm not sure to this point how much the roster has really improved going from 2023 down to 2024. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't really outside of, well, I mean, if you're comparing year to year, then, you know, outside of Cheerio, one of the, the biggest acquisitions the Brewers made was when they brought back Wade Miley, but that's not an improvement. That's keeping the status quo mm-hmm. kind of, and that was an important move for them considering that, you know, Brandon Woodruff now a free agent, not coming back. So that's a big hit to the rotation. Um, so there have been roster changes. Like the roster has evolved definitely, but I agree. I definitely wouldn't say it has improved. It has some of those moves have hopefully set up that big improvement that is still coming because there's plenty of time left in the off season and plenty of holes to still address. So I feel like the Brewers are prepping themselves for that. We just haven't seen that big splash, kind of like the William Contreras trade from last uh, winter that took everyone by surprise. That's what we're all waiting for, and it just hasn't happened yet. Yeah, we're, we're at that point where you're, you're kind of at the Hunter Renfro and Colton Wong trades where it's just kind of these are kind of underwhelming ish deals early on uh, where you're just kind of like, OK, where is Matt Arnold really going with this? Um, and, and like that, we've seen that with the trades that, that he's made to this point. I mean, we, we've had a couple already. The Brewers trading for. Oliver Dunn, a minor league infielder from the Phillies, sending out two really good prospects and Robert Moore and Hendry Mendez for him. Um, and I'm just like, that that seems like, okay, sending out a, a decent amount of prospect capital for another prospect, an unproven guy. Abraham Toro gets traded for Chad Patrick. I mean, okay, interesting. And sending out... Two other solid outfield prospects, Jay Savina and Brian Sanchez, to get freaking Jake Bowers uh, at, at first base. Uh, not sure entirely where where we're going there. And then you have the Taylor Clark trade. The Brewers traded for right-handed reliever Taylor Clark, who's coming off a bad year of an ERA of nearly six. And his best season had an ERA over four. Trading away Cam Devaney, a pretty solid upper minor league uh, utility infield prospect, and Ryan Brady, a solid relief prospect in the minors. 
So you make all these kind of trades. You're shipping out a bunch of prospect depth, and you're not really getting all that much in return. I mean, let's let's start with Taylor Clark because that's the new one. Uh, Clark, he does have a minor league option remaining, which obviously is going to be big for the Brewers, but he's been in the big leagues the past couple of years. And, you know, he's been able to, to eat up some innings out of the bullpen, but – he hasn't really put up the greatest results. Now, granted, there are some uh, attributes of his pitches that are uh, interesting for the Brewers, and that's why they acquired him in a trade. But Taylor Clark is is just kind of a depth addition to the bullpen um, that, that's already returning a lot of guys who were key contributors this past year. And, I mean, in return, you, you send out a, a couple of, of solid minor leaguers there. Yeah, it, the Devaney one was a little surprising considering, you know, he really, really broke out. He was one of the best minor leaguers in the system in 2022, was still very, very solid in 2023, but that power kind of uh, came back to earth a little bit for him. But still, you know, potential depth option for the Brewers, um, you know, for two years in a row, he was actually, you know, uh, possible rule five pick, though he didn't actually end up getting snagged um Brady was still quite a ways down you know in the affiliates um really decent season um but only just kind of barely topped out at double a so he's still early in his you know professional career yeah Clark, he's 24. something what's that he's 24 I right, mean exactly. relievers can move pretty quickly they can um with Clark there's got to be something with him specifically that they see, I know he's, he has a very good slider that he throws. It's kind of his one above average pitch. Um, he has, I can't remember if it's his changeup or sweeper. That's okay. As they pair it with him. Um, he, the one thing that stuck out to me is he's surprised. He had a surprisingly good chase rate last year, like upper 2% of the league. Um, so I wonder if, like, with that stuff combined, they see we've got a guy here that maybe we can mold into an effective reliever. Um, they've got that option left so they can, you know, play around with it a little bit in the minors as they can. It's got to be something that they see there. Um, yeah. But otherwise, you're right. It feels odd that for a guy like that with the numbers he's had so far with no very obvious, like, oh, this is what could work for him going forward, that the Brewers gave up two prospects for him. Granted, not like top 30 prospects or anything, but still two prospects. Yeah. I mean, Devaney, or not Devaney, uh, Clark, yeah, 98th percentile in chase percentage. Uh, that was really his his only really great uh, stat on baseball. Right. Savant, one, one, one th- first percentile? <laughs> Yeah, it's first. First per, first percentile <laughs> barrel percentage. 12.7% barrel percentage. That's not, not good. great. Nope. Uh, but he has averages 95 miles an hour on the fastball. Uh, pretty hard slider. Um, 89 miles an hour on the changeup. So there's some stuff there that I'm sure the Brewers Pitching Lab is going to absolutely love working with. Um, I don't. Let me try to look up the spin rates here. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something that the Brewers try to target, uh, guys with, with certain pitch characteristics that mm-hmm. they like. Uh, here we go. 
about 2,200 RPMs on the fastball, 2,200 RPMs on the slider, uh, 2,500 RPM sweeper. So some pretty decent spin numbers for Taylor Clark. Uh, but yeah, he's someone for the pitching lab, and, and perhaps they can get him to become a reliable reliever. The, the Brewers do this every single year. They, they get guys that maybe don't have the greatest big league track records, um, and, they, and they just have some interesting characteristics as pitchers, and they find a way to maximize them. Yoel Piamps was not really seen as this high-end setup guy when the Brewers got him. But that's what he ended up being for them down the stretch. Same thing with with Elvis Piguero. He had some interesting characteristics, but he had never really put it all together in the big leagues. He was with the Angels, and they weren't really able to help develop him. But all of a sudden, he comes to the Brewers, and and he's lights out. So they've done this year after year, acquiring relief arms. They know what they're doing when they're going after these relief arms. For the most part, they've had some misses. Andrew Chafin, for one. uh, Daniel Norris, for another. But their off-season additions for the bullpen usually are much, much better than their mid-season additions for the bullpen. The, the trade deadline bullpen guys are usually bad when the Brewers have gotten them the past couple of years. Yeah. The off-season ones, though, have really been good. Finding them from, from who knows where. They did that with Trevor Gott. They, they did that with, with so many other pitchers over the last couple of years. Where you just kind of find him, it's like, who is this guy? And next thing you know, by July, he's he's one of your most trusted relievers. Hobie Milner. It's like, Hobie Milner? Who in the world is that? And now Hobie Milner's your, your trusted left-handed reliever. So, you know, maybe Taylor Clark can be that guy. He does have a minor league option, which is key, I think, for the Brewers as, as they look to build this bullpen. Because you got to have some flexibility. They try to get guys with options. They have a bunch of guys in their bullpen that are out of minor league options, mm-hmm. which is why getting these guys with them uh, is so important. I mean, they, they had that last year with a couple of the guys early on in the season that made the team, but because they couldn't get optioned within a couple of weeks, they were off the team. Right. You, and the, especially the way, you know, the roster churn over the last two, three years that has not just for the Brewers, but for Major League Baseball really, really started to increase. You need that's even more reason why you need so many more of those guys, especially relievers. We've seen how the Brewers, you know, have the good old AAA shuttle going back and forth between Milwaukee and Nashville and, you know, really trying to cycle through those relievers so that they can keep guys fresh, um, replace guys when they're injured and be really smart about things so that come the end of the season, you have your bet, you're putting your best foot forward when it comes to the bullpen. So, Taylor Clark is another guy who can be added to that mix because of the fact that he has that option and can be a option for the Brewers um, all season long. Um, Yeah. So, and again, you know, to your point in the off season, you have so many more options uh, when it comes to players that you can trade for, players that you can acquire. When you get to the trade deadline, you're limited to the teams specifically that are selling. And of those teams that are selling, who have, you know, relievers that are in a position where it makes sense to deal them, you know, they've rentals, you know, things like that. So your crop of relievers that you can potentially acquire at the deadline 
is generally limited to a small bucket. In the offseason, you've got all the time in the world to, you know, chat with other teams, look up guys that you've been following for a couple of years that you've had your eye on, et cetera, et cetera, um, and be more particular about the guys that you bring in to um, compete for roster space for the coming season. So mm-hmm. that's where that's where I think, you know, exactly what you said, why you see so many of these relievers that the Brewers acquire in the offseason work out. Yeah, and I mean – like giving up, even though I like Cam Devaney, I think the Brewers looked at Cam Devaney as like, look, this guy is not going to get an opportunity in our infield. Right. And in Kansas City, he should have an opportunity to break into that big league infield. Uh, They're still rebuilding over there. So he should get an opportunity fairly soon in Kansas City. Brady, you know, future reliever. You never know how, how those guys are, are going to end up working out in the minors. They, they've given up a number of these guys over the years. Uh, you just it's like, OK, hey, look, here's a flyer. We're taking a re- reliever from you. Here's a utility guy and maybe potentially another reliever down the line. So I'm not I'm not too worried about it. The Taylor Clark trade. OK, fine. It's it's not exciting. It's not flashy, but it, it's a trade for a middle relief arm. I mean, it's it's not going to be going to be flashy. Not every move has to be flashy, uh, just like the backup catcher position. That move does not have to be flashy as well. I saw so many people complaining when the Brewers signed Eric Haas. To, to a one-year contract, it's like, oh, well, this this is a needle-moving deal. No, <laughs> it's it's not. I mean, you, you don't need to be. to be sarcastic about it. It It's a backup catcher. Right. And the Brewers already have an all-star starting at that position. You already have William Contreras. You don't need a needle-moving catcher anymore. You did that last year. Yeah. So Eric Haas is going to be the backup to... William Contreras. I haven't seen the financial terms of his deal yet, just that it's a straight one-year deal. Um, but I believe he is still arbitration eligible, so the Brewers could control him for subsequent seasons if necessary, if, if they really want to. Um, they, they had that possibility. But Haas had a couple of good years, 2021 and 22, uh, as pretty much the regular starter for Detroit and, and put up some really good numbers. 36 homers over that two-season span, above-average OPS in the league, or above-average OPS plus, and just kind of cratered this past season. And that led to him being outrighted and becoming a free agent. And now the Brewers scoop him up to to be their backup to Contreras. Yep, and uh, Hogue did post the details earlier today, it looks like. Um, One million for the year, another quarter million in, in incentive. So... Okay. Nice, cheap deal uh, for a guy who's in the first year of arbitration. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't need much out of your backup catcher. Like, I know we've had Caratini the last couple seasons, and that was a very solid guy to have, a solid move when they ended up acquiring him. Um, but you're not always going to end up with a Caratini as a backup catcher. That's not exactly someone that you should be shoveling a lot of money <laughs> out towards is uh, the guy who's going to play in, you know, what, a third of the games? I'm trying to remember. At most. Yeah, yeah, I think I looked this up last week. I almost thought for Caratini. Caratini played in 62 whole games last year yeah. for the Brewers. So and even though that's not- quite a bit because Contreras was DHing a bunch. Right. And, and Caratini was hitting well. So it's like, mm-hmm. okay, we can put him in the lineup and have it not be a black hole. Right, but that's still only 60. That means still means he didn't play in 100 of the Brewers' games. So yeah. that's the type of playing time that you're expecting 
from your backup catcher. So no, it doesn't need to be a big sexy uh, move. That that should be backup catcher is literally the opposite of a sexy move. Exactly. You leave that for your first baseman. Leave that for your DH. Those are things. Leave that for another starter. Those are where they should be throwing the real money at. So taking a chance on a guy who had, like you said, two very solid seasons with Detroit and then just last year kind of went back to not super great. Not a big on-base guy, but again, a backup cutcher isn't necessarily. But you know, 36, are, yeah. 36 homers over two seasons is nothing to sneeze at for a backup catcher. Um, no. Yeah, we'll, we'll take that. And not super, super great defensively from what I've heard, but has that mattered in recent years when it's come <laughs> to the Brewers? Like, we'll no. fix that right up, especially with Charlie Green now, you know, getting uh, getting some promotions uh, for himself. So he'll yeah. definitely be around to work on that. Like, I'm not worried about that part. So I'm yeah, fine sure. taking a chance on a guy like that, and we'll see how that works out. And if it's not great, who cares? He's just a uh, space filler until Carroll gets here anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, Charlie Green now on the the major league coaching staff. And yeah, I, I put out there that it's a it's a Charlie Green special to try to work on the defense for uh, Eric Haas. And Kurt Hogue, friend of the podcast, had to chime in that that was Walker McKinvin erasure to not mention McKinvin as as part of uh, fixing up the the catchers defensively. So I do apologize to Walker McKinvin for not mentioning him there. But, uh, yeah, Walker McKinvin, Charlie Green, the, the whole coaching staff, they do a great job uh, with those catchers. So, yeah, I'm not worried about Haas defensively. I think he'll end up being fine and, and just what the Brewers need. And, and if he can provide a spark on offense as well as a backup catcher, hitting a couple of clutch home runs from time to time, uh, that'd also be nice to see. Uh, Matt, your dog has joined uh, the podcast <laughs> here. Uh, w- would he like to say a few words about the signing of Eric Haas? Uh, she she actually tried jumping on the Locked on Brewers podcast when I was sitting in on that with uh, Chuck Freeman the other day, and I was having to kind of hold her at bay the whole time. <laughs> she apparently is all prepared to give Brewers content. Um, she, she approves. She gives two paws up. For there we the, go. <laughs> for the Two Haas. paws up for the Eric Haas uh, right. signing. Yeah. She was whining outside the door, though, so she'll, she's going to join us for a little bit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my dog is taking a nap at the moment. So. <laughs> Good girl. Yeah, love it. Uh, but, yeah. So <coughs> oh, man. It's just it's just that time of year, man. Like, it's, it's just one of those mm. days something just – it. Just has to pop in from time to time. Yeah, everything's been getting like super dry and so dry. Yeah, it's it's definitely winter in Wisconsin now. Yeah, no, my, like my nose started bleeding the other day for like absolutely no reason. Like it was, it was just so dry. I would try to try to blow your nose off. And oh my god, what's that? But yeah, yeah, it's just it's awful out there. And we're not even getting a white Christmas. That's no. that's the worst part of all of this. Did you see it all, the graphic posted by CBS 58? Zilch, nada, nothing? (laughs) Well, not only that, they posted a map of Wisconsin, and it had green and then this red splotch. I was like, oh, someone's going to get snow. And the legend said, you know, for green said no snow, and for the red said also no snow, but in red. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. They got got you. They got you. They did. 
Not that it would have been us anyway. It was just a random red circle in the middle of the state. But no, no white Christmas once again. No. Uh, awful. But hey, maybe maybe Matt Arnold could give us a, a couple of nice gifts under the tree, uh, like perhaps a first baseman. Um, <laughs> you know, if we want a white Christmas, maybe we could get the polar bear. Uh, Pete Alonzo, a trade for him would certainly be great. That uh, is- but. I don't know if we're going to get there, uh, but the Brewers did make a trade with the New York Mets. It was not for Pete Alonso, much to mm-hmm. our chagrin, uh, but they did send Adrian Hauser and, believe it or not, Tyrone Taylor. Yeah, Tyrone Taylor, finally, after 11 years in the Brewers organization, <laughs> has been traded. Uh, he goes with Hauser to the Mets in exchange for Coleman Crow. And, Matt, this is a very interesting trade. It's it's. It's been tough for me to try to figure out what to make of it, mm-hmm. uh, why the Brewers did this deal, and and why they got what they got in return. Um, because you're already short on pitching depth. So sending out Hauser does not help that situation. As of right now, your number four and five starters are Colin Ray and Joe Ross, which suffice to say cannot be what the Brewers have going into the season. Now, granted, there's still plenty of offseason left. But you trade out from your pitching depth when you already had very little. Hauser, while he's taken a step back these last couple of years, he really wasn't bad. Uh, He was a pretty good innings eater, putting up decent numbers. Um, You know, even though it was a ERA is north of four, wasn't bad. But you send out Hauser. And you trade Tyrone Taylor, which totally makes sense. Tyrone Taylor is out of minor league options. It's already a crowded outfield. He was not going to be playing much. So trade him out to get some value while you can. Totally get it. But including Hauser in this is confusing for me, given the Brewers' current pitching situation and what they got in return. Agree with the with that analysis when you take the trade on its face yeah if as long as the brewers make like acquire another starter that's better than him then it makes sense and if that that has been their plan all along they're going to bring in another starter um to shore up that rotation then sure you probably would have had to create a little bit of room at that point anyway because that's a lot of starting pitching options to add yet another one to it if that ends up being their plan um, to still have around. So then, sure, if that's how things end up by the time the offseason's done, then I don't think you'd really think twice about this. But, yeah, as it currently stands, if, like, nothing were to change, then for sure it, it's definitely a confusing move because of a lot of those options that you named, like, sure – Hauser hasn't been, you know, the Woodruff, Burns, Peralta yeah. level by any means, but he's certainly had his very, very solid moments. And I think for the most part, you would take him, him over a Ray, over, you know, a Ross, over really an Ashby right now, knowing what you currently mm-hmm. know out of everyone. I think I, I think Ashby ends up being very solid. And I, I really do think works his way into that rotation at some point, but he's also coming off of injury and a lot of people are going to be in see it uh, before you believe it mode kind of with him. So 
Yeah, I, I think as, as long as the long-term goal for the offseason is to bring in a very decent starter, then sure. Totally, totally makes sense to kind of clear out that space a little bit. Yeah, yeah. but what, what's interesting also is that Hauser was only set to make about $5.5 million mm-hmm. in his final season of arbitration. Um, like, like, okay, yes, it's his final year. You're probably going to let him walk in free agency next year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's been a solid starter. Five and a half million really isn't that bad of a price to pay for a guy like Adrian Hauser, especially considering the prices on the, on the pitching market this off season. So if you're looking at a free agent starter, if you're going to try to find one better than Hauser, it's going to cost you a lot more than mm-hmm. what you were going to pay Hauser. So I'm not sure where this is going to be. Like, I mean, this, this could simply be a precursor to something else. And Ken Rosenthal, when he reported the trade, mentioned that this was about shedding payroll for the Brewers. Only about $7 million of it, which isn't going to buy you a lot mm-hmm. on this free agent market. So that that's where it's kind of confusing to me. But really the, the big part that I have a problem with um, and that I think makes this – Stand as a standalone trade, I think this is a bad one for the Brewers because they don't get a single 2024 contributor right. out of this deal. They get Coleman Crow, uh, a right-handed pitching prospect, in return. He underwent Tommy John surgery over the summer, and he's likely to miss all of 2024. Now, Matt Arnold did say that there is a chance, a quote-unquote chance, for him to pitch in 2024 late in the season. But still, it's likely not going to be at the big league level. He topped out at double A this past year, so he's going to have some more time. Even if he does pitch this year, it's going to be in the minors. He's not going to help out on the big league club in 2024. He could be a solid mid-rotation starter when, when all is said and done, but the earliest we could see him is 2025. So the Brewers shipped out two contributors, two potential contributors to this next year's team in exchange for a guy who is not going to be contributing next year, which is odd considering the Brewers have been saying that they intend to compete um, and that they're going to be improving this roster. And that's been their focus, but they didn't get anyone who could, this was two guys out for one for, for just one player who's not even going to play at all for the team this year. You could have at least uh, like my issue is that they didn't get one person back, even if it's a bad contributor, even if it's just a bench guy or a reliever, somebody who could help out this team this year. Right. And I, I, yeah, totally get that. I think, again, like if you separate the two sides of the trade, you see a lot of aspects that make sense when you when it comes to Coleman Crow. I, you know, some of the things I've started seeing about him over the last you know couple days since he's been acquired um, have been pretty encouraging. Uh, Kurt Hogue put together a thread on X. Um, God, I hate saying that. It, but just on, call it Twitter, man. I, Everyone knows what you're talking about. Just I actually had to change myself mid-sentence just to say X right there. But anyway, Twitter. Um, some encouraging things about him. I, I, I think in acquiring him, you give yourselves more options go with your kind of like rotation of the future, the future for him being likely 20, 2025 or later. Um, but we know that at some point, you know, Woodruff's already gone. Burns is going to be gone. Um, your only certainties in a really less, you know, just over a year are going to be 
Freddy Peralta. And then after that, it's like, we need to see how the rest of that is going to evolve. So giving yourself the Mizorowskis, the Crows, the Gassers, the, you know, those, those options mm-hmm. to be the next wave of guys to come into that rotation is good in itself. But like you were saying, to kind of combine those types of moves, moving guys from the roster, it's losing Tyrone Taylor and losing Adrian Hauser as those two players isn't that huge a deal, slightly because of the rotation, you know, the state of the rotation now. But again, like losing Adrian Hauser isn't the end of the freaking work, doesn't signal rebuild in itself for the Brewers. But combining those with not getting a contributor for this year for a guy that's, you know, far from a sure thing considering he's coming back from Tommy John surgery. Yes. The, the entire, the, the whole of the trade can be kind of puzzling when you look at it that way, for sure. Yeah. It's, I, I understand going after Coleman Crow. I, I understand wanting to get a player like him with, with the metrics that he has um, uh, on his pitches um, it, it's a type of player that the Brewers typically like to target, and it, it makes sense that they were pursuing him. But still, like even though it is Tyrone Taylor and Adrian Hauser, two uh, two very expendable players, I, I still think you could have gotten at least one major league contributor, potential major league contributor, thrown into this deal uh, for from the Mets, and you know. David Stearns obviously is very familiar with Tyrone Taylor and, and Adrian Hauser. Uh, so he's, he's been picking up former Brewers left and right uh, over yeah. there in, in New York. And like, it really doesn't surprise me him, him trying to bring over a bunch of players that he likes. Um, I've seen rumors that the Mets are, are checking in on Brandon Woodruff. It would not surprise me at all to see the Mets sign Brandon Woodruff mm-hmm. um, and have him rehab there uh, with, with Stearns in New York. But still, like th- this trade, it's just kind of it's just kind of weird to me. Shipping out rotation depth when you don't have much of it already. Taylor, yep, okay, include him, fine. I know these guys really aren't worth that much, but you could get some extra help there that that could help in 2024. I get that Crow is a solid prospect, but there there's a lot more I think they could have done to help out this team. But it almost feels like, Matt, the bigger part of of doing that two-for-one kind of swap is clearing a 40-man roster spot. Because once Eric Haas was signed, the 40-man was full. And now they've opened two 40-man roster spots with this deal. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And that's where I really do think that this precludes a move to maybe add to the... Uh, starting rotation, even if it's, you know, to help add somewhere else, to your point, you, you you had to clear some roster spots to continue being able to make some moves here in the offseason. So we'll see what it ends up leading to as long as it balances out with other moves somewhere, then by the end of the offseason, I think we're not really even thinking of this move unless Adrian Hauser throws a shutout against the Brewers later this year, <laughs> Tyrone Taylor, it's a walk-off home run against them. Um, in the end, this shouldn't really be anything. But right now, as it stands, I I, I get fans being a little, little little puzzled by it, for sure. But it'll all work out. Yeah, it, it usually has a way of doing that for the Brewers. Um, some, some of the stuff, especially with Stearns, 
it's like, well, we don't know uh, what what they're doing here, but it'll it'll find a way to work itself out. Uh, I do remember seeing on on Twitter though, former Mets GM Zach Scott mm. putting out there that a couple years ago that the Brewers had asked for Jeff McNeil from the Mets in exchange for Adrian Hauser straight up, which would have been an absolute coup for the yeah. Brewers. And Zach Scott is like, that was a quick no for me. <laughs> and everyone's like, whoa, that was a price. But uh, credit David Stearns for trying. Yeah. Uh, but instead, the, the Mets end up getting Hauser for uh, much less than Jeff McNeil. So two years ago, that would have been the same year that uh, uh, the Juan Soto takes were happening, right? Uh, two years the, ago? I, I believe it was the winter of, of 2021 going into 2022. Oh, the, the winter. Oh, okay. I read that as uh, at the trade deadline that they had tried Hauser for Was it? It might have been. I don't know. I guess. I, and, may, you know, maybe that was just me. Making because because during the winter there, that was that was when Hauser was coming off his his three his three point two two ERA having a career best season. The Brewers trying to sell high. Um, it would and make sense. Point twenty two. I don't think they were going to um, sell him at, at the deadline. Um, right. But eh, I, don't, I don't know. But yeah, either way, that I mean that would have been great for the Brewers. But unfortunately, Zach Scott was not uh, not going along with that. Uh, but oh well. But yeah, Hauser finally finally gets over there. And I, I think the big question following this trade is what impact does the Hauser trade have on Corbin Burns? Because the the big talk all offseason has been Corbin Burns and the potential for the Brewers to trade him uh, this this entire offseason. And we saw this report from John Morosi that once Yamamoto signs, uh, which could be very soon here, even as we speak, uh, it, then Burns would be the next to go. And... It's like, okay, it seems like maybe there's some building momentum on a Burns trade. But then Hauser gets shipped out. And now I'm thinking to myself, can they afford to trade Burns from this rotation this offseason? Because if you lose Burns, Woodruff, and Hauser from this rotation, and like you sign back Miley and, and Ray, and you get Joe Ross, uh, that's not enough uh, for this rotation to, to be a strength. And that that's what it's been for the past several years. And I don't see how they're going to get any anyone else to fill in uh, to, to backfill losing Hauser and Woodruff and Burns in the same offseason. You know, even even for whatever pitchers you would get back potentially for Burns. I think this makes a Burns trade less likely. Am, am I crazy to, to think that a Burns trade is now even less likely because Hauser has gotten shipped out? No, absolutely not. It was we were already both on the same page, maybe in defiance of many, many others, that <laughs> it already made little sense to trade Burns away if you expected to be competitive next season. Um, once we found out that Woodruff wouldn't be coming back, mm-hmm. and so that was already the case, it becomes even less likely now that Hauser's gone because you, whether it's Adrian Hauser or Brandon Woodruff, it's still a hit to the rotation for next season as it currently stands. And so letting go burn, if you trade away burns at this point, unless you're for some reason getting back, and I can't imagine a team would do this, getting back a 
very good pitcher that's going to immediately contribute in your starting rotation right away. Again, not exactly how trades like that work usually. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes just you're you're giving up basically. You're you're going at that point. You're going rebuild. Like yeah. if you're, you're going completely third, backwards. Yeah, because you've got yeah at that point you're giving up on your rotation almost. Um, unless you unless you really work some wizardry the rest of the offseason, it just doesn't it doesn't make sense. So if the Brewers are looking to contend next year, which everything we have been given an indication of so far this offseason says that they are, no, it's it it it's less and less and less likely that they're going to trade Burns. And uh, like I put those chances now below 25%, let's say. And I think yeah. that might even be high. Yeah, I would go below 10% on on a Burns trade. It's I, I just don't see how you can do it at this point. And then there's so many that are just like, well, what if he gets hurt? And, you know, you could lose him for nothing. And, you know, like, again, the Woodruff injury changed the equation for the Brewers. It, it did. I think they would have fully gone into this offseason expecting to trade Burns. But then when you lose Woodruff and you lose him for nothing, you, you can't lose both in, in the same offseason. So I understand I understand the fear. I understand the concern about Burns getting injured and losing him for potentially nothing. But at the same time, even if he gets hurt this year, which knock on wood that 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 he does not. He's still going to end up getting a qualifying offer. Yep. And he's still going to reject the qualifying offer, and he's still going to get a big money long-term deal somewhere else that's going to net the Brewers an extra first-round pick. Yep. So that they're still going to net that no matter what. And in terms of a potential trade deadline deal, again, I don't think the Brewers are going to be too open to that. And we've even seen in Ken Rosenthal's reporting that Mark Atanasio and the Brewers are really kind of wary of the idea of a mid-season trade, especially if they are in contention, which they should be in a very weak NL Central. Mm-hmm. They're, they're wary of that idea after the backlash from the Josh Hader trade. So it's it's now or never it, for, for this offseason for trading Burns. And everything, every domino that has fallen to this point is pointing them to you can't trade Burns. Right. Right. You... you I, at the very least, have been, yes, hello. I, at the very least, have basically accepted that the Brewers are getting nothing back for Burns outside of the draft pick, of course. Yeah. Like, you, you, that has to j- just be the reality that you have faced yourself with. Unless, like you said, the very uh, remote possibility that the Brewers are completely out of, att- uh, out of, I know, just smile at the dog. She's very expressive. Um, oh, yeah. Completely out of contention by the trade deadline. Not that that's an impossible uh, possibility, but pretty much every... I mean, look at how many teams come the trade deadline were still... I mean, it was still a three-way race come then. The Reds, Cubs, mm-hmm. and Brewers technically were really all in it still at that point. Um, I'm sure many teams still will be at that same point next year whether the brewers are in first or not it would be very hard to believe that they weren't still at the very least within striking distance at that point um 
so I've accepted the fact that the Brewers are probably going to get nothing back for Burns. I accepted that reality when Woodruff got hurt and Mm -hmm. it made less sense for the Brewers to actually get rid of them if they wanted to contribute. If they wanted to get something back for Burns, they it really should have been last offseason. Once we got past that offseason, then it was like, okay, there's a really good chance that, that Burns ends up walking. I've mentioned it several times on this podcast that mm-hmm. that might be the reality is that the Brewers end up getting nothing. And I know that is hard for some fans to swallow because the same fans who would probably have been mad if the Brewers traded him because they wouldn't have gotten back enough for him. Um, But some are going to be mad that the Brewers end up getting nothing for him. But sometimes that's just what you end up doing to be able to be competitive, to be able to continue getting in the playoffs and give yourself a chance to make a run. It's, it sucks, but you know, sometimes you have to go that route when you're a team like the Brewers. Yeah. And, and that's where, it, it takes you back to Prince Fielder. Prince Fielder was the last brewer to make it through six years, um, like, like like as a regular player, as, as a starter, to make it through six years of team control and, and hit free agency without either an extension or being traded or cut early. Um, first guy to, he's the last guy to have done that. And the Brewers kept him for 2011 knowing that they weren't going to be able to keep him long-term, but they wanted to make another run with that group. Um, and they were able to to get back into the playoffs and get to the NLCS. And obviously that season ended up uh, disappointing as well, but you made a, a great run with it and you made a lot of memories and that's what it's all about, right? It's, it's the memories and friends we make along the way. But <laughs> as, as Anabam fam would probably <laughs> like to point out on Twitter, uh, but yeah, Sometimes you just gotta you just gotta keep them and and see what ends up happening because you know as as much as I dread to say it if you want to get a bite at the apple in 2024 <laughs> you have to have Corbin Burns on this team you you can't go into 2024 without Burns without Woodruff without Hauser and expect this rotation to be strong enough to get a bite at the apple because the offense sure isn't going to be strong enough to to take over and and get this team to the playoffs. So your pitching is going to have to be, and that's going to rely on Burns uh, leading that rotation. Right. And <clears throat> it's still going to require the Brewers to do some more things. Like it's, mm-hmm. it can't, this can't be the roster that they go into 2024 with. Um, no, especially like, not a first base. My God, that's a exactly. Or DH or, yeah. like, oof. I mean, but like you said, like it, it Considering how much money some of the like the the starting like the pitchers so far, not that many of them have gone, but considering how it's gone early with some of the deals that some of these pitchers have gotten, Yamamoto's about to get um, to trade Burns, but also bring in the amount of talent that you would need to be competitive would cost way too much for the Brewers. I mean, Burns himself, just what he's going to make in his final arbitration year is plenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it would cost more, even more than that to uh, reinforce your starting rotation enough to be able to be competitive. So you can't have it both ways. Like you can't, it, it would be very, very difficult to trade Burns and still have a rotation capable of making you a competitive team to win the NL Central. So 
Yeah. That's the reality. In, in, in order to do that, in the Burns trade itself, you'd have to get back two capable starting pitchers who are ready to step into that rotation right now. You, you have to get two of them back. Right. And they'd have to be actually solid and reliable. And with with what you're probably going to get for one year of Burns, that's that's probably not what you're going to get in return. Right. You might get one guy who can help out and then a couple of prospects who maybe aren't so proven, but that's that's what you're looking at. Yeah. And yeah, you still have you still have other needs. Um, they they checked the big one uh, or one of the big ones off their list with backup catcher. They got that taken care of with Haas, but let's let, let's take a look at what's left on the Brewers to do list because they they still have more to do. On the offensive side, first base and DH, you need two more hitters that you got to get. You cannot go in with Jake Bowers and Owen Miller as your top two first baseman. You just you just can't do it. Uh, there's been reports that maybe Carlos Santana could come back. I, I think that's a very likely scenario. Obviously, I'd still like Reese Hoskins since he's out there, but that seems like more of a pipe dream uh, on on my part. So you can bring Carlos Santana back. I think that'd be that'd be a solid move uh, just to help cover at first base until Brock Wilkin and and all those uh, young guys coming up already. So Santana, I think, could help fill that spot. Uh, you could go with the DH option um, as well. I think I think you need to get someone there because right now, what do you have at DH? Yelich and Contreras. I mean. I think it'd be good to have a couple other hitters to to add into that mix. Third base, you could end up going with Tyler Black. They they may just leave that open for Black to take over, uh, just like they did with second base last year for Bryce Terang. Just leave that spot open for for the prospect to come up. Um, so first base, DH, you got backup catcher done. I'd say right now you need two more starting pitchers. Mm-hmm. You have you have Burns, you have Peralta, you have Miley. Then four and five are Ray and Joe Ross. You got to move Colin Ray down to the number six starter, I think, at least before you head into spring training. And that that means you need two starters that you still got to get. And then maybe another bullpen option or two. So, but, but the real, the big things on the to-do list, two more starters, first baseman, DH. Those those seem to me the top things on the to-do list for Matt Arnold. Yeah, definitely. Totally agree with that. At the very least, one starter. Like, you've got to get another starting pitcher in there. Um, and then let the... And not end, a Joe Roth type. Not a Joe, like no. Someone no. you can actually rely on. Right. A legitimate number four guy. Now, they've got a lot of number fives and number sixes right now, um, but not a true, true number four guy. Anymore. That's what Hauser was if, essentially. Yeah, but was he like fully like, or was he more a five and six type guy? Like at his best, yeah, I mean, as a four for sure. Um, yeah. But he hadn't always been at his best, uh, even even just last year. Um, he he it, early in the season he was relegated to the bullpen until yeah. that's where he was going to start off until he got injured. Um, so you know I I don't know that I'd even totally put Hauser as that. Yeah. So yeah, you do need to improve there. You can, you could certainly could improve off of Hauser. Um, and they need to find a way to do that. 
um, in this market that it, it's very strong for, for pitching in, in terms of uh, the price that you're going to have to pay. And th- this is where I think the trade market is going to come in, because even though the Brewers have traded Tyrone Taylor to sort of help clear their outfield log jam, I still think at some point they're going to end up trading one of their prospects, Joey Weimer, Garrett Mitchell, mm-hmm. Sal Freelich. I, I think Freelich is probably the safest, uh, but I think he could trade Weimer or, or Mitchell to help fill one of these other gaps. Just because the the prices on free agency, the Brewers really don't seem to be able to afford for these top-end guys that could actually be an improvement at any of these positions. So that's where you, you can trade from your outfield depth in order to acquire it. And I know Tyrone Taylor was never going to get you much, but someone like Joey Weimer or Garrett Mitchell certainly could. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, who do the A's have for starting? Do they have any decent starting pitchers right now? Lord knows. Paul Blackburn, but I think they're holding on to him. Mm, yeah, well, they'd probably give us him for Joey Weimer. I mean, we were able to get players out of that whole trade for just Asturi Ruiz, so... Yeah. You never know what you can accomplish with that team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Friggin' Oakland. Um, but, yeah, like, like there's a bunch of different places they could go um, in, in terms of, of the trade market. Um, you could go to Miami. Trevor Rogers, Edward Cabrera uh, are two names that, they, that could be out there. Yeah. Um, Alec Manoa out of, out of Toronto, but it sounds like they might try to hold on to him. Um, Ryan Yarbrough from the Dodgers. So there's a couple of different places that, that they could go. Now, there are reports that the Giants are interested in shortstop help. And one, mm-hmm. one trade target we haven't talked about is Willie Adamas. Uh, he could potentially be traded as well. There has been there have been rumors about him potentially being moved along with Burns, but also potentially in different deals. Um, not, not exactly the same deal. But the Dodgers have been looking at shortstop help and – so are the Giants, and they have some pitching that they could trade. They have some corner infielders that they could trade. Uh, so perhaps something could come together there. But again, if you're trading Adamas, how much does that help your chances of winning in 2024 if you intend to compete? Right, because you trade Adamas, you're moving Bryce Terang over to shortstop, and, you know, Bryce Terang, I think he'll be, you know, a decent on-base guy at some point, but you're definitely going to downgrade in offensive production if you do that. So then you would naturally hope to increase that at the second base position. How do you do that? Like, who do you have yeah. to do that? Is, is Oliver Dunn going to be that guy? You traded a, a couple right. of really solid prospects for Oliver Dunn. Right. You know, is that going to be him or are you going to be relying on Andrew Monasterio? Over right. there, you know, where, where are you going to end up finding that second base production? Because you got to get it somewhere. And and relying on these unproven guys like Oliver Dunn or Vinny Capra, who's still holding a 40-man roster spot, oh, yeah. uh, is that a recipe for success for the Brewers? You know, you got who else? Owen Miller, Jamai Jones. Are, are you really going to be looking for them to take over at second base if you shift over to Rang? Are there free agents or, or trades you're going to look at to fill that second base spot? You know, maybe if, if you do trade Adamas, you know, maybe you get a guy like Gavin Lux or, or maybe you get someone like that. Maybe you get a second baseman back in the trade because otherwise I don't see where you're going to be finding that production. 
Right. Right. Exactly. You would have to balance it out uh, in some way. But then again, how much are you going to get for Adamus, who is a one-year rental? Like, this is a guy who is going to hit free agency in a year. So his price goes down a little bit in that sense. So what are you truly going to get back for him? Burns, different story. I mean, this is you're talking Cy Young-type talent there. So you're going to get back something good for him. Adamus probably a little bit less but, so. But here, here's the difference, though. There is an absolute scarcity on the shortstop market right now. There's no True. starting quality shortstops out there. Um, in terms of the pitching market, there are a lot of, of really good quality starting pitchers good that point. are out there. Yeah. Um, so that's why I think if a Birds trade is going to happen, it's going to be he's the last man standing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's going to be right after Yamamoto. I think it's going to be you're going to have to see Yamamoto and Snell and Bieber mm-hmm. and yep. Manoa and Cabrera and everyone else go off the market before you see Burns go. And, yep. and here's another potential wrinkle to add to this. They could make a trade contingent on signing an extension. Now, Corbin Burns True. has said he will not do that. But mm-hmm. the Rays and Dodgers just did this with Tyler Glass now. They made a trade sending Glass now to the Dodgers, contingent on him signing a contract extension. And, and mm-hmm. that's how they get a better co- a better prospect return for him. And Willie Adamas, if he were open to it, and he might be, who knows, um, but you could trade him to one of those places and they could make it contingent on signing a contract extension. And if he does sign that extension, your return would be greater uh, than... Right than what it would be for just one season. So that's another potential option on the table. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yes, there are there are ways to um, to increase that return. But again, like we know that Burns isn't interested in that. We know Burns wants to test free agency and see what his true, you know, price is. He's been pretty open about that. We don't know that necessarily one way or the other with Adamus, but Maybe he does, too. Um, so if that's the case, you know, we don't know necessarily that he would be open that whole sign uh, trade and sign and trade, blah, 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 um, with himself. So I don't know. It is still an option. Um, you could still see him go. But for the Brewers, they would definitely, you know, like we mentioned earlier, they, they would have to make sure that any return they get addresses a current need on the major league roster. That could not be a trade for just prospects, because then again, like you're essentially, you're almost going into rebuild mode at that point. Yeah. And, and that's something that the Bruce have said that they are not going to do. Right. So that that's where like all these rumors about Adamas and Burns being traded. Uh, I think you got to take them with a massive grain of salt, you know, even though they do want to maximize the value, uh, they also recognize that, it would kind of be a rebuild and then that you'd be taking a step back in 2024 because there's no real adequate way to replace the kind of production that they bring uh, in right away. So I just, I I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening with Burns. Um, I don't really see it happening with Adamas either. I think they hold on to him. And for, for all the hatred about draft picks and, and just kind of that being the return as as your dog's ears are just sitting up there, so cute <laughs> she's slicking around. Um, you're, like you're messing with them, we kind of just like uh, 
it's 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 so distracting. But anyways, uh, getting the draft picks in return. The 2025 draft, which is where the Brewers will be getting these draft picks, is an absolutely loaded draft. Uh, and that's something that I think the Brewers also have to take into consideration. If you get a couple of extra picks there early at the end of the first round in a loaded draft, I mean, that's going to be a massive bonus pool. That's going to be like you can float a top prospect down to you. And there's a lot of different ways you, you can take that. Uh, so getting some extra draft picks early in that loaded 2025 draft uh, is something that I think could be incredibly valuable to a team like the Brewers. And, and it's not as much of a disaster scenario as some make it out to be just getting a draft pick in return. I know those guys aren't going to be coming up to the big leagues for another couple of years. And if you trade them for prospects now, those guys can can be here much sooner. But Getting a bunch of extra draft picks in a loaded class really isn't that bad of a worst case scenario. I mean, you, you could be looking at four, potentially five of the first 40 picks in in the MLB draft, in a loaded draft. Like, just imagine if the Packers, or in your case, Matt, the Bears, had <laughs> five of the first 40 picks in the NFL draft. You guys would be going nuts over it. Like, we'd all be going nuts about, oh, my God, you could totally reshape the franchise with this. Same thing with the Brewers. Same thing in the MLB draft, except it just takes a couple more years for it to come to fruition. Right. And the way the Brewers' drafts have gone recently, the the thought of having more draft picks should be Exciting. And more bonus pool. Yeah, more early yeah. picks, higher bonus pool, because they stretch every dollar of that to, yeah. to get as much talent as possible. So well, when we were talking with Brenton Del Chiaro a couple of weeks ago on this podcast, and you know, he mentions like, man, we thought we had a great draft internally um, with, with everything that they did. They spent every dollar of their bonus pool they could. They only had like 29 bucks left over to, for, for that entire bonus pool that, that they could spend. So... They maximized everything that they could, and they felt they had a great draft, and we felt that they had a great draft. And if they can keep on doing that, which they probably will, giving them all the extra capital they can in a loaded draft, I mean, it it is going to be a a very excellent draft in 2025. That's, That's really not a bad scenario at all. No, and also remember, prospects are often also assets like yes. not every person that you ever draft ends up making it to the big leagues with your team it might be somewhere else those prospects can eventually lead to different big league players mm-hmm. contributors to your major league roster even if it's not them themselves so having more of those guys in your system is only a good thing for future acquisitions yeah, and that's what the Brewers have been doing this this offseason. They've been trading those assets. They've been trading a lot from the depth of their farm system because mm-hmm. it's so deep right. uh, in, in terms of players to acquire guys for, for the big league roster. That's why they sent out two guys for Oliver Dunn. That's why they sent out two players for Taylor Clark. That's why they sent out two players inexplicably for – Jake Bowers. I, I'm still I still can't get through to my head why Jake Bowers is some guy to be excited about. But right. hey, you know, they did it. They they made the trade. Avina. I mean, Avina was a high risk prospect. I liked yeah. him, 
but he was a very high risk guy. But none of the guys they're even sending out are top 30 guys yet. That's the best part about it. That's that's well, more and Mendez were. Is. Oh, that's oh, yeah, I guess more true. Mendez had fallen off a bit, but Robert Moore was still top 30. Exactly. He was. Yep, you're right. Moore was still top 30. I I, I had been thinking about kind of some of the more recent ones, but I forgot. Yeah. How but but you're getting back Oliver Dunn, who also joins the top 30 list. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. In that sense, that was minor league for minor league. But these ones where you're trading for the major league guys, they're not having to give away top 30 guys for them. So, you know, that's that speaks even more to how important it is to have a strong, deep, uh, minor league organization because you can you can deal from that part of the pool and still be keeping this top 30 intact like the Brewers still have a lot of really good prospects to be able to deal from if they need to continue making these moves uh, and if they don't then they still have a very strong organization and that continues to build as they get to future drafts yeah, so it's just continually having that because that's how you stay continually competitive year in and year out, uh, and, and you avoid those rebuilds, continually having a strong farm system to supplement when the guys like Willie Adamas and Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff end up leaving uh, in free agency or trade or whatever, you have guys that can backfill uh, and just keep things moving and keep things competitive year in and year out. So. Uh, that'll do it for us on this podcast. We are out of time. Uh, so there is a whole lot more that, that's going to be coming up uh, in the offseason. The Brewers have a lot more work to do. Uh, we'll see how much more they get done before Christmas, uh, if they do get anything else done before Christmas. Uh, until then, Merry Christmas uh, and Happy Holidays and enjoy uh, your New Year's. And uh, we'll maybe be around next week in between Christmas and New Year's. It's always a weird week for pretty much everybody, because I think we just kind of all don't really know what to do uh, until the new year. But, um, yeah, we got a lot of great content going up at reviewingthebrew.com. Be sure to check it out there. Uh, Thank you for listening. Uh, We'll see you next time on the Cold Brew Podcast.